Now, I know that this is not about music necessarily, but come on, people. Comedy is just as popular, and I think we need to support the comedy that's going around just as much as we do the music. Hello everyone, and welcome to my music memories. Now, this episode is going to be slightly different, because I am not going to be talking about music memories. I like this to be more of like a live a live concert memory, or memories. And a lot of the things that people do when it involves with going to concerts is music. But you do also have theatre and comedy there are others as well you can get sport and all this kind of stuff i'm not a big sport goer so i won't be talking about any sport i'm pretty sure i've already talked about the only sport that i've been to so that won't be coming up um i haven't been to that many theaters to see shows um but i've seen a few and essentially my main focus is music and comedy i love stand-up concerts However, I've recently had a rule, and that rule is, if the person is big enough to the point where they're probably going to release this tour on DVD, then it's really not worth going. And I know people will say, oh, but what about, the you know, being there? And the truth is, I don't think comedy has necessarily the same effects. And I am going to give an example to this, because one of the comedy gigs that I've been to in the past was an Eddie Izzard concert. Now, he was incredibly funny. We went on probably not a day that was recorded for the DVD, but it was that tour, and I'm pretty sure it was even that venue. So when the DVD came out, I got it, and when I watched it again... It wasn't really the same, because I knew all the jokes, and I knew all of the the punchlines. And whilst it was all still funny, it's the initial hearing of that joke that makes it funny. More than normal. And it's, it's like, if I'd have heard it live, or if I'd have heard it on the DVD, I would have had the same reaction. And because they're releasing it on DVD, I might as well just wait. I can definitely see it a lot clearer. Whereas the thing with concerts, music-wise, is that you very, very barely get DVD for concerts. So it makes so much more sense for music than it does for comedy. Especially if that stand-up is big enough to release a DVD. It's just, I genuinely don't think it's worth it. Especially not now. Um, But today, I am going to talk about three specific things. I have seen a lot of different people over the years, like comedy-wise. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the very first comedian I saw. Which was... I think, if if I go by my tickets, 
it was the fifth concert I went to. So I saw my big four, which I've already spoke about, and then I saw this, this guy. It was a long time ago. And I've seen him the most. I've seen, you know, so I want to talk about him first. Then I'm going to talk about probably the one I was by far the most excited about. Because I just didn't think that they would actually do a tour as such. And then I'm going to talk about one of the funniest things for my sense of humour that I have ever seen. And how, God, I wish they would come back. It's been so long. And they may have come back since, but I've been keeping an eye. And I cannot spot them anywhere. And I'm sure that it would be a new... Um, show now, I probably wouldn't be the same show. Alright, so, the first person that I'm going to talk about today is a guy called Mark Thomas. Now, he is very much a political comedian. And, if, if I'm being honest, uh, years, years and years ago, there was a an animated adult comedy sketch show that was called monkey dust and it was it was very adult um there were lots of lots of kind of gratuitous sex there was violence it was it was very funny there were some sketches that were just hysterical and um there's one moment when they used mark thomas in a sketch and that moment is on youtube there is a link in the description uh, it's the perfect example of, of some of the things that Mark Thomas may do. And the thing is, very early on, now, the, the, day, the very first day I saw him was the 26th of April, 2004. Um, I'm not going to be putting any of the venues here, because most of the venues were smaller theatres like dotted around London so they don't some of them don't have names some of them do but I couldn't find them or they weren't on the tickets so I'm not going to bother with that but I couldn't tell you where it was I necessarily heard him first however he did have his own tv show uh, several tv shows I believe the Mark Thomas comedy product was the main one I remember. And if anything, I think that show is the perfect example as to why I personally liked him. You see, if you live in the UK, um, and it, you know, if you don't, you may have heard about a lot of the political-based comedians, especially coming up through the 90s. But... There, there was an awful lot of them. Politics was in turmoil, and a lot of the uh, comedians at the time felt that they wanted to go against the establishment and point out what is wrong. And it worked very well for a lot of them. However, with Mark Thomas, when he does political stuff, he doesn't always just kind of pick a side, shall we say, and just attack the other side, which I can't stand. Um, he calls himself a libertarian anarchist. And essentially, he will attack anything 
that is just wrong. For example, if he finds a company that is doing something behind the scenes, but then publicly promoting that they're not doing whatever this thing is, um, or they're, they're actively... Like, for example, if someone is is promoting that they are an energy-neutral company, but that he finds out that all the CEOs do nothing but fly on in jets every day, it's something that he would put in his material. And I found his stuff, because it wasn't directly commenting on politics themselves he was talking about companies the big companies and what it is that they do wrong i really found him really really funny and i saw i've seen him three times over the years saw him in april 2004 in december 2007 and then september 2009 Technically, that was the last time I saw him. But if I'm being honest, I feel like that was probably the biggest concert I saw. And I feel like that was definitely when he was probably at his height, if I remember correctly. Now, the, this show itself, I actually went to twice uh, because I did like it. It was really, really good. And it was called The Manifesto. And I mean, this is a good example of kind of the, the humor that he does. Because this show was like all about protesting. It was about the rules of protesting. It was about what you can and cannot do. It was about what they're trying to stop you from doing. And the fundamental point of the actual stand-up show, or the tour itself, was the fact that, if I can remember correctly, the government had changed the policies that now required you to officially register with the with your local police station if you wanted to protest somewhere and that they all had proper forms that now had to be filled in about kind of who you were where you wanted to protest um uh, who you were going to be with how long you were going to be there for and he felt that this was another way of the government trying to stop people from being able to just go out and protest. Because if you just went out with a sign and wanted to protest, they would now say, well, you can't just do this. You, you haven't got the paperwork from your local police station. Um, and a lot of people wouldn't even know that this existed. Um, so, you know, there was going to be a lot of people in trouble because they wouldn't know that this is what they had to do. So, in a way, this whole tour was partly about advertising the change. Also, um, his stories of what he had done in the run-up to it. And it, it was hysterical. It really was. He talked about how um, he tried to break the Guinness Book of Records for the amount of protests in a day. And basically, he had like a bin with a whole load of placards, and he filled out all these forms. And by this time, he had been to his local police station so frequently 
that they knew the moment he walked in what he was there for. Um, so he made sure he had all his paperwork ready, and he basically walked from spot to spot to spot. He had a friend have the the bin with all the placards, and I think he had someone with all the paperwork, just in case they were asked at any of the plots, all ready to go. And he would stand there, get the placard out, yell something, and then move on to the next one. And he tried to do as many as he could. And I remember him saying, like, when he contacted Guinness World Records to find out if that had been a thing, they asked him a whole bunch of details about it. And they said to him, what we often find is the more information you can give us, the better, because people will see things as a world record and then want to break those records. And he was like, well, this is perfect because I want more people to protest about anything that they want because they have a right to. Um, it was it, He was just so funny. And I think what it came down to with Mark Thomas, and as far as I'm aware, he's still touring, he's still doing comedy. Some of it can be political, yes. If you look him up, half of the stuff he talks about is what I've just said. It's about companies. It's about kind of the the politics around certain things. And then some of it is just directly attacking people in politics. And I don't care about that. It's just that's not, that kind of humour just isn't for me. And the thing that I like the most compared to some of the other political people is that he tends to not do that much when I've seen him. But he is really funny as like i said there are going to be two links for him in the description one is for the uh the monkey dust clip and one is for the trailer for the manifesto tour um i couldn't find uh like an actual whole tour clip of that but definitely do a search and see what you can find um if anything Look more for the Mark Thomas comedy product because that was the main thing that I think took brought me to him. So have a watch of that. Every episode is actually on YouTube for that, um, and that is really really funny. The next people that I'm going to talk about are fundamentally U UK comedy legends, and I mean the genuine legends. People that have been doing comedy since 91, 92, I think. Probably as as early as that. And they're still going and they're still so funny. And yeah, I, I, will, I have seen some people say that some of their stuff hasn't held up strong. Um, and that some of their bits and pieces probably don't hold up great in this modern day and age. I think you can say that about any comedian that has been going for 30 years. I mean, you know. But essentially, I'm talking about Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse. Now, for anyone who doesn't know those names, you probably must not be British or English. Because... They they've been they've been around for so long and they've just been part of so many different things over the years. Now the two of them started in a show, it was a sketch show, 
and it was called Harry Anfield's Television Programme. Now, this was from 1990 to 1992, and it was, uh, it was, it was a Harry Enfield show. He was very much kind of the definitive guy, and Paul Whitehouse was there in a lot of sketches, but not every sketch. But the thing about it was, you could tell kind of the working of it, and you could see that it wasn't all there. But they had, they definitely had something. They had like the workings of, of something that just needed tweaking here and there. Two years later, the show then became Harry Enfield and Chums. That show ran for four years and was hugely, hugely successful. That was the show that really put those two and a bunch of other people on the map. Paul Whitehouse was also off doing other sketch shows and other things. Uh, he was in the Far Show quite a bit, and um, but the two of them were heavily known as as kind of being together. And again, even though Paul Whitehouse was in a lot more sketches in Harry Enfield and Chums, technically, it was still Harry Enfield. And other people. Now the thing about this show. And why I think it was so much more successful than the first outing. Was the fact that they just put a lot more polish on their sketches. On the comedy. Because a lot of the same characters were moved through. From his TV show to the Chums show. But they were just funnier here. It was like they, they, they refined the characters. They, they understood what would make the best for each of these different characters and they really gave people exactly what they wanted then they, there was an, a hiatus where they did a bunch of things but then they came back with ruddy hell it's harry and paul 2007 to 2014 so much much longer show the very few characters moved across this time it was a much newer show and it was still all sketches and to be honest, I'm pretty sure that for the last bunch of seasons, they even dropped the ruddy hell. So it was the, the last few seasons were just called Harry and Paul. Yeah, that show ran for seven years, I believe. I just counted. And it was towards the end of that that they just said that they were going to be touring. It was, um, for me, it was the 24th of November, 2015. And it was at the Cliffs Pavilion in Southend. Now, the thing for me, with comedy especially, is an awful lot of an awful lot of comedians seem to have the Cliffs in high regard. Now, I'm happy with this, because the Cliffs is a, t is a tiny venue compared to anywhere else in London. No matter where you want to pick in London, the Cliffs is tiny, really. And, it, you know, most people that say, I'm going to do, like, a whole UK-wide tour, the Cliffs is normally part of that tour, and it's really close to where I live. So it gives me the ability to see them on a big, like, a big name on a big tour, but in a smaller venue. If I'm quick enough, because um, it doesn't always work. But 
yeah, me and my brother were definitely wanting to go. And this time, we decided that we would take my dad with us as well. Because he was a huge Harry and Paul fan, as much as we were. Again, they've been part of our lives for so long at this point that we were definitely all going to go. So we got ourselves tickets, not really knowing what it was going to be. Because they've only ever really been known, properly known, for sketches. And we were like, you know, what are they going to do? Are they just going to do sketches on stage? It's going to go from one to the next to the next. And we really wasn't sure. We wasn't sure what kind of how to take it. And we were guessing as well, you know, that if that was going to be the case, would they, What you know, what sketches would they do maybe? Would there be any, like, old sketches, or would they all specifically be from the Harry and Paul series, perhaps? And then, you know, the lights all went down, and we all got ready, and they came out. And they introduced themselves, and they said that they were going to basically be doing some silly sketch stuff on stage. And, you know, that they hoped everyone would be enjoying it and stuff. And then, yeah, we basically got... Um, I think it was like an hour and a half, maybe two hours in total of just like sketch after sketch because there there was obviously a intermission in the middle Um, and it was just like sketch after sketch and there were a lot of sketches that we would know and they were, I believe, all from Ruddy Hell, It's Harry and Paul or just Harry and Paul when it was shortened down. And it was absolutely funny as hell. And this kind of goes by, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier on. I went to see this, even though in my head there will be a DVD release, you would think, there wasn't. There was never a DVD release, not that I could ever find. So I got to see it. I got to see one of the only times these two did a tour. And it was absolutely hysterical. I loved every minute of it. And I think the thing that I enjoyed the most, it happened a bunch of times throughout the thing. And I still honestly don't know if it was real or if the whole lot was scripted. I really don't know. But there were a couple of times... When the other, like, say, for example, Harry Enfield would say something that he wasn't supposed to say, or he said it too early or something, and Paul Whitehouse would kind of have a go at him and then try and keep a straight face whilst do it, whilst trying to redo the line that was messed up. And they'd kind of like, it was, it was like a, a little bit of like bickering and arguing, and one of them winding the other one up. And then they'd kind of say like, "Stop it! Stop it! We're doing. We want. We're on stage. We've got to do it seriously now." And the, and and then they'd try and hold serious faces and go back, try and get back into the sketches, um, and then just carry on. And it's just, it was hysterical. It really was, and it, it was because nine times out of ten, the funnier bits are when they've gone wrong, especially on a live show, especially when. Technically, one of them is, is, is clearly doing it because he knows it will wind the other one up. However, I highly doubt that if it, if they do, if it was like an accident, 
that it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been scripted. But that means you you wouldn't get it every concert. However, they're the funniest bits. And I mean, as an example, the show the the British show Bottom is hysterical. It was such a good show, so funny. And they did a whole series of tours over the years. Now, if you watch the tours, by far the funniest moments is when either of the two guys, Adrian Edmondson or Rick Mao, um, is when either of them would forget their lines or get the line wrong or react to the audience reacting to them getting it wrong. And they would just wind each other up. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about this before, but I don't know that that was not scripted. Because those are genuinely just some of the funnier bits. And I don't mean like everything was like absolutely 100% rigid to a script. But I feel like at that point, they're going to get it wrong on purpose and then riff off of how the audience reacts. Because that way, it's going to be a different reaction every set. And you know you've got a moment that people are going to remember. Because they're going to go home and go, oh my god, they forgot the lines at one point. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, I don't know. I don't know whether they genuinely were just doing it to wind each other up. And it wasn't supposed to be there. Or whether it was a moment where they knew it was going to come up at some point. And they they do it on purpose but it's not scripted still technically because it will be different each time. You know, you, you just don't know nowadays. But yeah, right now, um, they're both doing separate things, really. And I would love for them to do something now, but I don't know, sketch comedy has has very much disappeared over the last 10 years or so. Um, and the ones that are still around, they're not, they're very much trying to do their own thing but it's clearly not working because the shows tend to last one season. Um, and, it, and it's like, yeah, no, it kind of shows that, that one, what you're trying to do isn't working because people didn't find it funny. It, was, it didn't work in that aspect. And over the years, I think, you know, sketch comedy has been one of my favourite. I love just the UK is full of really funny sketch comedians. But they just, I don't know, I'm not sure where any of them are at the moment, and it's a shame. However, the last thing I want to talk about is a show. It's a show that I saw, and I was, I, I saw like five minutes of it on TV, and was literally blown away by the performance. So much so... That I, I I went straight to the website and bought tickets for the family. We were all going to go. Now, to give you a little bit of kind of information about me. I love anime. I love action films. Foreign language films. I love media in general. I really, really do. One of my favourite anime series... Is Dragon Ball Z. And a lot of people can go, oh, that old thing. It's like, I have others. But that's one that I love to go back to. 
because partly because of the way that it it told stories but secondly because it was so goddamn long it just went on forever there were episodes and episodes that nothing happened but it just kept building up for something to happen i loved it i really did i then saw a film it was by a, a man called Stephen Chow and it was called Shaolin Soccer and that film was so clever it's so clever it's very Asian in some of the aspects some of the elements of the film and by that I mean you know I can give a good example at one point, a bunch of bullies attack this kid, and then they all just wee on this kid. Now, I've, you know, that's not something that happens in the UK. Full stop. I've never heard it. I've never seen it. It's never ever happened. Well, it probably has at some point, but it, you know, it's not the thing that bullies do in the UK. That's when I looked it up because it, I was like what the hell are they, why are they, you know, um, when I looked it up, it was, a, a, apparently, it was a very Asian way to attack and insult people, once they were on the floor, is that you wee on them, or something, I, I mean, I don't know, this is all research that I did, that was, could have been wrong, but, you know, my point is that, you know, it's, it's a football-based film that has kung fu in it, and it's so, it's so good, it's so well made, then he made a film and this film is by far one of my all-time favorite movies because it's for me personally it is as close to the fighting in Dragon Ball Z but in real life it's real life people fighting in exactly the same way that they do in Dragon Ball Z. And I didn't think I would ever see that in a film. It's an unbelievable film. Oh my god, it's so good. It's called Kung Fu Hustle. And there is a trailer for Kung Fu Hustle in the description. If you have not seen Kung Fu Hustle, it is on Netflix right now. Watch it after this. And I will also have a, have a caveat to that. Watch the dubbed version because all of the actors as far as i'm aware i could be wrong here but stephen chow has a big kind of proponent for all of the actors voiced their own characters so it's one of those things where they're happy for you to listen to watch the dubbed version because that's what they wanted as well you know they did it so that it was the best for them for the people that can't understand or simply don't have the ability to read or don't want to um, and, and honestly I've seen both and the dubbed version is by far the better one in this instance it's such a good film and then um, that, uh, I'm assuming I, when I went to see them this, this theatre show that I haven't mentioned the name of yet it was the 1st of April 2007, and it was at the Peacock Theatre, which is a tiny little theatre, which often shows 
uh, like a, a very wide variety. It tends to be smaller companies and much smaller productions, more experimental stuff. And um, it would probably have been at the end of the year 2006, I would think. Because it was on the Raw Variety performance. And um, for those who obviously don't live in the UK or just don't know what that is, the Raw Variety performance is literally a live variety show, which is often frequented by a royal of some kind, sometimes the Queen, sometimes her son or grandsons. And the idea is that it is a full-on variety show. So you'll have generally... Uh, a pretty successful comedian be the presenter all the way through. You'll then have uh, you'll have very successful musical acts performing throughout the show. There will be magicians, there will be stand-up, and there will be um, snippets of theatre shows. And it is a, a full-on variety evening. It's really fun, really enjoyable. You really don't get this kind of thing nowadays. So the fact that they're still doing it is fantastic. And in this one specific year, there was a snippet of a theatre show. Now that show was called Jump. J-U-M-P. And it was all in caps. And... I was sitting there watching this show and it was exactly the fighting and kind of the story and the theatre of Dragon Ball Z and Kung Fu Hustle but on stage. So there was no camera trickery, there was no editing, they were just doing this. And I was amazed at how clever and how funny it was. Now, I have been able to find that clip. And the and it, again, as with everything, there will be a link in the description. And it will take you to that performance. If you can't access the links, then go to YouTube and search for Jump Raw Variety Performance. It is a 7 minute 44 second clip. And it was posted on the 13th of August 2010. I'm trying to get as much information there so that you can watch this clip. Because it was unbelievable. It was truly unbelievable. When I looked up this, this show, it turns out they are so successful in Seoul, South Korea... They have their own theatre, which has been completely designed and is dedicated to their performances. Because essentially, I don't want to ruin it too much, but essentially, I mean, I can ruin it as much as I want. They're not probably not going to be coming back, to be completely honest. Um, but it's about a family in a house and about a bunch of robbers that come in and try and, and take some stuff and then get caught in the house. And then the robbers and the household start properly like kung fu fighting in this house. And essentially, in Seoul, they've built a proper house. It's like a proper full-on house so that they can have this this like proper staged correctly. 
Um, and it's, it's one of the highest rated things in Seoul. I'm not 100% sure if it's still running. Um, it was difficult to find if it was. I believe it probably still is. Um, the official name I was called Jump Comic Martial Arts Performance. It was the funniest thing I've seen in a in a very long time, but it was just outstanding. It was it was so cleverly done, and it's something I'm just waiting to come back. I really am. Um, I did check the Peacock Theatre, hoping that they might do like another run. And I think they did actually come back a year or two later, but I'd, it had already sold out by the time I discovered that it was coming back. Um, and oh, I kicked myself. And again, I'm, I mean, we're talking 2007, but it was it was so good. I want them to come back now. I want them to, you know, have another chance of being able to actually, I want to see them live again, you know? They were so good. Uh, yeah, look them up. And it's like I said before, I don't know that they're necessarily still going in Korea, in in South Korea. But if you ever get a chance to go to Seoul, look them up. Because they were one of the best comedy things I've ever seen. Of all the stand-ups I've seen, of, of you know, yeah, they by far were the best. They were so funny. And, it, you know, it's like I said, if you never normally click on the links and look at what I've said or listen to the playlists that I've got down, it's just a seven-minute clip. Just just go and have a little look and just see what this jump is. I'm sure you'll just be blown away. And then, yeah, you'll have to wait and hope that they come back with me. Not come back with me, I'm already here. But you'll hope that they come back as well as I am. So, that is my podcast for now. That is free of the funniest people that I have seen live. There will probably be another comedy podcast at one point, but for now, I think that's where I'm going to leave it. And we're going to get back to music. And honestly, next time... I am going to talk about a really, really big live concert that I went to. It was in a, a massive. Um, it was in a massive park in, in central London, and there were kind of mess ups. There were confusion. There was kissing. <laughs> it was. It was. There was everything, um, and that was all with the band a lot of the time. But it, anyway, um, the band is. REM, huge band, they're not together anymore, I don't think, but I have been to see them, they were amazing, and I will talk about them next time. 